I'm going to start today with a quote from the book we're using this month, Discover a Richer Life, one of Ernest Holmes' last books. And he's talking about faith. He says, all of science is based on the faith that the universe follows logical and natural laws. It is a faith based on the reality of the invisible and the intangible laws of nature, which nevertheless are controlling and directing what we see and hear in the physical universe. At the same time, we have a similar faith as the power of the forces of life to maintain and sustain us. Our hearts beat, our blood circulates, our wounds heal. The unseen has that ever-present power of life. It is continually manifesting itself as us. This faith we have in life's power has brought forth amazing results for us. And as we become aware of this, we are able to further develop our faith to the point of a fine art and to consistently bring into our experience tangible expressions of the unseen, creative, unlimited power that governs all. This is back to the choir again. Do you, do you sense the power that we have both singly and together? We begin to approach that idea of God as truly unlimited through our faith. But, <laughs> you knew there was going to be a but, or you might have suspected if you know me very well. Why is it? that our experience of the world through the exercise of our faith can't be more consistent. Ernest Holmes talks about that over time we can begin de uh, um, developing our faith as though it were a, a beautiful art form. But those of you um, with artistic abilities out there probably know that developing something as a fine art takes some practice. Today I want to talk about a couple of the things that we need to be aware of as we approach our own ability to strengthen our faith and to really use that full power of God that is always at our disposal, always backing us up, always wanting to bring more God into the world. The first thing I want to talk about, I think today would be appropriate to talk about faith both as something that's unifying but also divisive. And I want to use uh, an example right from my own life, torn from the headlines of the, the life of Larry King, if you will. And some of you are going to go, well, this is interesting because it's regarding my new car. I want to tell you about the story of my new car. So some of you are probably aware for like over a year now, you've off and on heard sad stories of Larry's um, tired old car and, and, uh, and wanting a new one. And, and I will tell you, a full year ago, I set up the criteria in my head that I have not wavered from. I wanted an electric car because I want to support this planet and I want to be on that wave of people that are doing what they can to um, you know, get us off of foreign gas and things like that. I wanted a car that would allow me to do what I want to do. You know, like we have a beach house and I want to make sure that the new car will replace the old one. I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to run out of electricity or whatever. And the third one is I want it to be affordable. Now I certainly believe in the infinity of the universe and I I, trust me, I could buy a car brand new anytime I want to, 
but it would mean using some of my retirement money. And thank you, I plan to live quite well in my retirement. And so I thought my third criteria is no, I should be able to have this new car without it being a strain on my finances. Okay. So what went wrong? You might ask the minister, <laughs> why did it take a whole year? Well, this, I think, is one of our big issues. It isn't that we're devoid of faith. It's that our faith often is divided. There was a piece of me that found it difficult that I could get all three of those things. And sadly, very sadly for me, I actually went around allowing people to help me support my faith that it wasn't going to happen, right? I can't tell you the number of people that told me, oh, those electric cars, you'll never get to the beach on it. How are you going to feel stranded in the middle of the Tillamook Forest with no, no charging stations, right? Or I had people saying things like, well, this is the new technology. You know, how are you going to enjoy plopping down thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 from it? In fact, a friend of mine sent me a, a, the picture of a car that I really wanted, $90,000. <laughs> it's like, well, that's a nice, that's a nice mental equivalent, uh, but, uh, I, you know, it doesn't quite fit into my other criteria. So what I was doing, now, now listen carefully. I think this is really important. I had a great deal of faith in God being able to provide me exactly what I wanted. And then I began slowly and systematically counteracting that faith with faith in lack, faith in the technology not being there quite yet. In fact, when I really started looking at it a couple months ago, what I realized was, I had worked my faith out such that it was faith that I could have it someday. Someday when the cars would go further. Someday when there'd be more charging stations. Someday when it would be more affordable. Or someday when I had a little more disposable income. Right? When does someday come? <laughs> okay, so obviously next the question is, well, the car's right out there, and I'd be glad to show it to you, and it's a stunning, beautiful new Nissan Leaf, and you might say, so what changed? Well, as was so often in life, we have our small epiphanies, and one day it just came so patently clear to me that I had divided my faith. That my, my really strong faith that I deserved and should have this new car exactly the way I want, I was just as strongly counteracting it with my faith that the time wasn't ready yet, that there wasn't enough money, and so on and so forth. And so, of course, God is going to say, well, you have a jumble of thoughts. Let me give you a jumble of experience around those thoughts. But you ain't going to get the car. <laughs> So that day, when I had my epiphany, I did a really powerful prayer. I mean, I could feel it to my toes. And I went back to what I know was to be true, that I was to have that new car. And it would have all three of those criterias. And that the rest of all of my thinking and thoughts and misplaced faith was just trash. And I released the trash. I said, I, as a human, do not need to know how the divine is going to get me what I choose to experience in the world. Two days later, I got a un completely unsolicited email from Nissan of Portland inviting me to come and test drive a new leaf. <laughs> 
two days after my little epiphany, I, we actually put off the test drive because it wasn't working into our schedule for about a week. Guess what happened during that week? Someone emailed me a note saying, I know you're interested in an electric car. Did you realize they've now put charging systems, free, mind you, halfway to your beach house and one in Tillamook right next to your beach house? So then we show up at the dealership, and of course, you know, we fall in love with the car, but I'm still having a little bit of sticker shock. You know what sticker shock is, right? And so the guy says, oh, well, he says, you know, not that many people are actually buying them these days. What about a $99 a month lease? Now quickly, the, the, the math part of Larry really quickly is going, wait a minute, I spend $200 a month on gasoline and my 15-year-old car needs a new timing belt, it needs new tires and it needs new brakes. This is a brand new car and it's going to use about $25 in electricity a month at the most. They gave me a car. <laughs> They gave me a car. They took away my old, uh, uh, my 15-year-old car that needed all that work, gave me a really handsome uh, a trade-in on it. No money down with the trade-in. $99 a month. So why did it take a year? It took a year because I was unwilling to not, the human part of me, was unwilling to give up the need to figure it all out. I was totally doing it to myself. I mean, that same car and probably that same lease arrangement had been there all that time, right? When will we stop getting in the way of our own good? It is that, I, I think of it as misplaced faith, right? I have just as much faith today as I had yesterday. It's just that the difference was, it's all going in one direction. It's all knowing that God can provide what I need and what I want and what I choose. And I'm going to let go of the misplaced faith that's leading me in different directions, counterbalancing what I know to be true and good. There's one other thing I believe that stands in the way of us really experiencing the power, that fullness of God that we experienced in listening to the choir today. And, and I think the best way to kick off this is with a joke. So there's a man named Jack. He's hiking along a cliff one day. He stumbles and falls. Luckily, he grabs a branch which temporarily stops his fall. But he looks down, and to his horror, the canyon floor, a thousand feet, almost straight down. Well, Jack begins yelling for help, just hoping that someone will be up on the trail above to help him. Help! Help! Is anyone there? Help, he says. Well, he yells a bit, finally hears a voice. Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Well, yes, I can hear you. Uh, I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Well, yes, but where are you and who are you? I'm God, Jack. I'm here to help. Just listen carefully and we'll get through this together. Oh, I'll do anything, God. Just tell me what to do. Okay, Jack, here's what I want you to do. Let go of the branch. What? I said, Jack, just let go of the branch. Have a little faith. Long pause, long pause, 
Finally, Jack yells, help, help, is anyone else up there? Okay. I think of this as what I call the miracle factor, right? For Jack to have been saved in that way would have been a complete, sweet, wonderful miracle. And how many of us can really accept an honest-to-goodness miracle in our lives? I want to suggest that we have kind of almost like a ceiling, if you will. Um, Let's imagine right down here on the floor is life the most miserable that we can imagine. Do you know what I mean? A life of complete poverty, a, a, a lacking of love, lacking of just everything, you know? It, it, it's, like a, it, it's like almost negative joy in life would be down on the floor. And then at the ceiling, imagine with me, if you will, life at its swimmingly joyous, outrageously best, where everything always went your way, where, where joy and happiness followed you, no matter where you went and no matter what you did. So these are kind of the extremes. And I suggest that most of us hang out in the middle somewhere, that we recognize that our lives have their up times and our down times. But I want to suggest, and I think of it as the miracle line, that most of us, if we would go a little bit higher, we'd say, well, no, I can't quite imagine that. It would take a miracle for me to enjoy life that much. It would take a miracle for me to have that loving of a relationship or to have a job that pays that much. It would be a miracle if my connection to God were, were that strong. Most of us are not going to be able to accept a miracle. Remember the stories in the Bible about some of the miracles, people being brought back to life that were dead, people living thousands of years, the miracles of healing, and and certainly it's not unique to Christianity. I've been reading up on the the stories uh, from the Buddha recently, and I I brought a few of the Buddha's miracles to share. Actually, I'll just share share one of them, which I I just had to laugh and laugh. So the Buddha, you know, as a young man, goes away and literally hangs out in a cave for a couple years and becomes enlightened. And in this case, enlightenment is just a very powerful thing. It's truly, it represents oneness with God. And so there is that complete oneness between God's power and the Buddha's power, right? So then Buddha comes out of his cave and decides, you know, as an enlightened being, well, I should probably help some other people to to, to move towards their own enlightenment, towards their own spiritual goals. But he goes home first. And so he, he tells his mom, Mom, um, you know, sorry that I missed you for the last couple years, but I'm enlightened now. Well, what's a mother anywhere going to do? It's like, oh, that's nice, honey. <laughs> so, so the Buddha says, no, no, really, I have complete unity with God. I mean, really, this was a, a fundamental change in my nature. I've become enlightened. And of course, in the Hindu tradition, that was a significant statement. I mean, that really meant something tangible. And once again, his mom was like, well, you know, all right. Maybe we need to talk about this. Well, the Buddha decides, no, I really, I'll just show her. 
And so he did what was called the twin miracle. And so the top half of his body erupts into flame that shoots up into the sky. And at simultaneously, the bottom half of his body is an endless stream of, of clear, pure water. And so he's literally firing off uh, fire up in the air, water down into the ground. And of course, mom like takes a couple steps back. It's like, oh my God, what is this? And, and to sort of clinch it, he like snaps his fingers and reverses it. Now water's shooting up into the sky and flames are going down below. I mean, really an amazing, an amazing miracle. I don't think we're ready for things like that. (laughs) And I think we suffer because of it. You know, yesterday the practitioners put on a very lovely uh, peace meditation here for the International Day of Peace. I think the reason that we don't have peace on earth right now is because we think it would take a miracle. And we're pretty darn sure that that kind of a miracle isn't going to happen. When we look around at the world, we, we have faith in the, the competition. We have faith in the scarce resources. We have faith in different faith traditions being, being at war with each other. We have faith in the Middle East as being a dangerous place. We have faith in the conflict that's going on as being perhaps necessary to resolve some of the underlying issues of, uh, of, of lack and poverty. We have faith in everything but peace. Yes, it would take a miracle because we have directed our faith in the complete opposite direction for the most part. Well, as you can imagine, we're headed towards a bit of homework for today. And we've talked about a couple different things. First of all, we've talked about the direction of our faith. We have said that it's important for us to make sure that when we really are choosing a path of faith, that there aren't other beliefs, other things that are going to stand in the way of us. So if we want to have faith around a great new job, we need to let go. We need to release faith around maybe being too old for a great job or, or that I haven't had a good job before. In direct conflict with each other, we cannot expect our faith to be acted upon when we have, if you will, a counter faith, an, an opposite or a conflicting faith. So your first bit of homework for this week, I would like you to find an area in your life, and this will take a bit of soul searching, I think, to see an area where you're in conflict with yourself. Something that you want to experience, and then likewise, a set of counter-beliefs or limiting things that are keeping you from experiencing it. Just like the story of my car, right? It's like I had utter faith that the car should be mine and that I would have it, but then I had all these other beliefs around the car not being suitable or the car being too expensive. So that's your first piece of homework. The other piece of homework, this one's a little more subtle, and I think the answer is going to be a little different for each of you, but I want to move that miracle line up. I want overall you, all of us, together and separately, to be able to accept more good in our life without thinking it would take a miracle to get there. And what I sort of have come to believe about myself, and we'll see if it's true for you all, is we have to give up our human need to figure out how it will happen. 
Because I think that's I think that's where that miracle line happens. I'm fine right up till here because the here for me is, well, yeah, I could get that better job and make that more money and then I could buy the thing I want. Or I could go to class, you know, do what I need to do and then I would be able to do whatever. Or, you know, uh, or I can work really hard, save up a lot of money and then I can retire. Well, these are great things, Right. But they're all within the human realm, and my humanness is always going to hold me right here. To push that up, we have to be willing to give up the idea that you personally figure out how it's going to happen. So the second part of your homework, subtle, I know, but I think powerful, find an area in your life where you are limiting yourself based on you personally figuring out how it has to happen. And then I would like you to do some prayer work, maybe some journaling, maybe, maybe just some soul searching or talking it out with a friend on how you can let go of the need to have all the answers on how it's going to happen. Are we good on this? I believe... I absolutely believe, and this was certainly proved through my experience of the new car, we can always have what we need and what we want and what we choose when we get out of our own way. This is a good news and a bad news story. Because I tell you, wherever I go, guess who's there? <laughs> there are days when, in fact, that's one of the reasons I enjoy going to a practitioner now and then. Why? Because I can turn it over to Sharon or I can turn over my, my trouble to Star and they're not going to think of ways for me to personally figure out how to get what I want, right? They turn it over to God easily and can remind me similarly how to do that. So if you're really stuck, seek out help. That is what our practitioners, that is what our ministers are for. If you're having trouble seeing the power or the ability in your own self to make changes in your thinking, don't let it just leave there. Don't, don't let yourself just be frustrated with all of the negative faith, building a case for why you can't have it or why it's not yours, why it's too difficult, why it's too expensive. Go to someone that can put all that aside and just say, you are a divine center of God itself. You don't need to figure out where the charging stations are. You don't need to figure out, uh, you know, uh, just know that what you want is yours. For those of you also who have had foundations class and, and, and want another leg up, especially if it's out of, about abundance, the spiritual economics class I'm taking would be a great place to start too. So I would recommend that. I'm going to close today with a prayer, of course, and one final reading from this, uh, this lovely book. Here's what Ernest Holmes concludes about this idea of faith. He says, every legitimate desire we have already has an answer in God. God is that big. But it is faith, it is our belief which causes it to respond to us. Faith not only lays a hold of a power which actually exists, it also causes this power to respond as a law operating for us. Somewhere along the line, we must surrender our weakness to its strength, 
our fear to its scarcity. We must surrender our lack to its abundance. And everyone who practices faith in this way will see result. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one joy, one life, one abundance, one sweetness of being, and I call this God. But whether you know it as your higher wisdom self, whether you know it as a higher power or a Buddha, whether it comes to you uh, in, the, in the image of a, a Jesus or a Buddha, it doesn't matter. It is all there is. It is all-powerful, and it is here for you always. And this is true for me. It is true for each person in this room, both singly and as a group. We have the keys to our own kingdom. And if we allow ourselves to accept more, there will be more. As we raise our miracle ceiling to understand more of the goodness that life has for us, it will be for us. And so this week, I know we begin concentrating our faith, that we let go of areas of faith that are unproductive, areas of faith that are counterproductive. We release them. We stand in the truth of God's own power as us. And we begin creating a life of joy, of love, of peace, of abundance. I'm grateful for this. I let it be. And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you.